this over here is a toilet disinfectant. It's meant to hang from the, you can find it at any supermarket, it's meant to hang from the inside rim of a toilet. Uh, meant to hang from the inside rim of a toilet. Um, essentially, essentially has three purposes. First of all, it disinfects the toilet um, when a person flushes. Second of all, it gives off a pleasant smell. And third of all, it changes the color of the water in the, in the toilet bowl, which some, some people find aesthetically pleasing to have a blue or a different other color inside the toilet bowl other than your regular clear water. And the question the place can discuss is, are you allowed to use this thing? If you have a toilet that has one of these hanging there in Shabbos, are you allowed to flush that toilet on Shabbos, or you have to take it out before you, um, before you flush such a toilet? So there's potentially two main issues the Pison discuss. We'll go through them one by one. First issue the Pison discuss is a concept called Moilid Reach, creating a new scent. The Gemara in Bea says you're now to take a cup of perfume and pour it onto a, onto a garment, onto, onto some clothing on Yomtiv. And presumably the same thing, the same Allah would apply for a Shabbat. You're now allowed to pour perfume, sp spray perfume onto clothing on Yomtiv. What's the issue with spraying perfume on Yomtiv? It's called Meil Reach, creating the scent. What's the issue with creating the scent? So the way the Chayadam and the way the Mishabura explain it, it's a form of Makabapatish. Makabapatish is making the final improvement in an, in an item on Shabbos. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to make the final, what's called, final, the little term is final hammer blow. You're not make the final improvement, making something finally used, um, in its final state of use on Shabbos. When you spray this, when you give a nice scent to something, to a beggar on Shabbos, a garment on Shabbos, that is in some fashion, at least rabbinically, considered to be similar to the idea of making, putting the final improvement into this garment, and therefore you're not allowed to do that on Shabbos. Question is exactly where does this apply? Under what circumstances are you not allowed to create a smell? Spraying it on what? What's it mean? The Gemara said you're not allowed to spray it on clothing. What else does that apply to? So first question that comes to mind that you're allowed to use air freshener on Shabbos. So you'll spray air freshener. So it's an explicit Gemara. The Gemara says that Gamliel would go before Yantiv. He would essentially create some nice scent, catch it in a bottle. He would burn some spices, create a nice scent, catch it in a bottle. And he would open up that bottle to essentially have a air freshener um, in his house on Yantiv. We see explicitly from the Gemara that you're allowed to spray, that making a new scent in the ear, not on a particular item, not on a particular object, is completely permitted on Shabbos and Yantiv. The, lo the logic behind it, you're not creating an improvement in any actual item. The whole concept of the problem is that you're making this garment ready for use. You're bringing the final improvement in this gar garment. The, the ear is not a particular item. It's not because you're making this ear particularly ready for use. There's no such concept of that. It has to be in a particular item. And therefore, there's no prohibition of using um, any sort of ear freshener, spraying it just into the ear on Shabbos. Now the question is, okay, so again, we know garments are a problem. What other type of items are a problem? So there's a Taz. Taz discusses what used to be the common custom was that um, on Yom Tiv, when the Kayhan would go in Dukhan and they would wash the, the Levian would wash their hands before, they had a, a custom, they would make this water, a nice smelling water. They'd add some sort of scent to, to this water to make the water that the Kahanam used to wash their hands smell nice. Now there's two ways they could do it. Either they could put the water in before Yantiv, and then wash the Kahanam's hands, or they could actually go on Yantiv and add the scent to the water on Yantiv. The Taz says, for sure, if you add the scent to the water on Yantiv, you're making the water smell nice. That itself is the problem of, of creating a new, a new scent in the water on, on Yantiv. He said, even if you put it in before Yantiv, so you're not making the water smell nice on Yantiv, that was already done before Yantiv, but now when you pour the water over the hands of the Kahanam, you're, cre you're creating that new scent in on the hands of the Kohanim. So we see from the Taz essentially two things. See that creating a new scent, a new smell in the water is problematic. It's not just a physical hard item, it's, a, it's, it's water, it's the food item of some sort, and that's still problematic. 
And second of all, we see that it's also a problem to actually put it onto a person. It's not limited to, 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 to non-living items. It even includes an actual putting scent onto a person would also be prohibited according to the Taz. The Mishabruah, and this seems to be the, the approach most Akronim take, or okay, back up one step, the Chacham Tzvi comes and argues on this Taz. And he says, first of all, he wants to suggest there's no problem of putting water, of putting, creating cell, smell in the water. He says, the Gemara was talking about garments. We don't see you can extend that to food items. And second of all, he brings the raya, brings the proof from the Gemara that it also doesn't apply to people. He says, the Gemara says that if you take a, um, some sort of, to summon some sort of spice and you roll it in between your hands, and that gives off a nice smell. The Gemara says that's permitted on Yamtif. The Khamsi says, what do you mean? When you do that, you're creating a scent on yourself. Now your hands smell nice. Yet it's permitted. The Gemara says explicitly it's permitted. So the Khamsi, we see there's no problem from the Gemara that we see explicitly there's no problem of putting a new scent onto a person. It's only onto an item. And he wants to suggest further that even we don't even find that goes to anything um, that doesn't apply to a food item, and therefore he wants to suggest even water would not be included in that. So the Khamsi argues on two points on the task. He says, first of all, Water is not a problem. Second of all, putting it onto a person is not a problem. You're only going to understand it's like going onto an actual object, like, like, like clothing, but not a person and not onto a food item. That's going to be the opinion of Cham Tzvi, Machlekes Taz versus Cham Tzvi. In the Shabruah, and this approach again most of the Akhenim team take, takes a middle ground between these two opinions. The Shabruah seems to go and say that putting it into water is a problem. The Chabti did not bring any proof for that. He just said logically it shouldn't apply to water. But that that, that Mishabur seems to be putting it to water is a problem. Putting it onto a person, the Chabti had an explicit proof from the Gemara, there the Mishabur agrees is not an issue on Shabbos or Yantiv. Therefore, a person wants to go and spray themselves with perfume or spray themselves with a scented deodorant. That's going onto a person, according to the opinion of the Mishabur. That is not a problem at all. You want to spray perfume or deodorant onto clothing. That we said everyone would be a problematic if you put it into water. The Taz says um, the Taz and Mishabruah say it's, pr- it's, it's a problematic, and the Mishabru- and the Chamsfis permits it. Again, most Akrayim say that putting it into water, like the Taz, is a problem. Putting it onto people, not a problem. Putting it into water is a problem. Okay, now come along Akrayim, contemporary Akrayim, and they discuss when you flush on um, flush a toilet on Shabbos or Yontiv, and you have one of these hanging there. Now you're adding a nice new smell into the water. If you're adding this smell into the water, that should be a problem of Moilid Reach on Shabbos. That's the question, starting point many of the um, Paiskim discuss when they uh, talk about when they discuss this question. So there's a whole bunch of reasons why kind of come out not an issue, it's just to focus on two of them. There's a Yaivitz who said that the whole problem is if I take something which doesn't have any particular smell. It smells neutral, like most things, right? If you take a, a, a garment, there's nothing, doesn't smell, nothing wrong with it. You want to make it smell nice. You want to make it give it a pleasant smell, a pleasant odor, and therefore you um, spray this perfume onto it. So if you have something which smells bad, and you're coming to cover up that smell, there the, there the Yavid says the whole concept of creating, it's not called creating a new smell, you're really just covering up something that's unpleasant, and therefore the Yavid says that would be permitted on, that would be permitted on Shabbos. Says Rebnes and Kralt, if you're if, um, in, in a bathroom, you're, the point of these is not just to make your bathroom smell nice. Obviously, it's to cover, to mask any smells, like, um, any odors in the bathroom. And therefore, uh, for that reason, following the Yavitz, Nelson Kolalis wants to suggest there be no issue of using one of these on Shabbos. 
a second reason, and very compelling reason, you have to know exactly which one that applies to. I believe it applies to something like this, brought by the Archa Shabbos, Rav in Harnof, who is on the shelf over here, three, uh, four volumes safer on Hocha Shabbos, is very popular. He says he spoke to some of the experts exactly how do these things work, and he says the way these things work is that essentially there's a smell on the outside layer of this. When it sits there, eventually that smell dries up, comes stale, nothing, there's no smell anymore, it's just thing. You flush, the outer layer goes off, then into the ear, the new smell is released. When you flush, there's no, you're not putting smell into the actual water. The outer layer is already dried up. There's no smell in that outer layer. It makes the, the water look nice and disinfects the, disinfects the toilet. But the smell is released under that outer layer. Where is that being released into? The air. We said from the Gemara before that explicitly that there's no, the Gemara says that putting a new smell into the ear using an ear freshener is not a problem on Shabbos. So essentially we have at least two reasons why using one of these for in, in terms of the problem of creating smell on Shabbos is not a problem. First of all, you're masking your smell. Second of all, practically, at least with these, you have to know that I went to the store last night, there's lots of different types of these. I don't know if all of them work exactly this way, but this particular type works. There's different gels and things that may work differently, but this particular type works where there's the smell potentially trapped in between the layers, and when it's released, it's not released into the water, it's released into the ear, and that would be, we said before, that would not be a problem of creating a scent on Shabbos or Yantif. And the second problem, which is a much bigger problem in the Sugil, and that is one of the 39 malachas, one of the things they did in the Mishkan, was dyeing, coloring, adding color to something on Shabbos. You know, that's prohibited to dye something, dye some wool on Shabbos, or add color, essentially add color to anything on Shabbos as prohibition of surveya. When you flush your toilet, and this blue stuff comes off, you're essentially coloring your water. You're adding color to your water. That should be a malacha derisa, perhaps, of, of adding color to something on, uh, on Shabbos, malacha of surveya. So there's numerous points of um, debate around this, just to focus on two of them, two main points. The Siciliazer comes along and suggests a leniency based on one of the biggest exceptions we have to this rule of Tsevea. There's a Uraim, and it's quoted by the Shulchan Aruch, that says that even though you're not allowed to add color to something on Shabbos or Yom Tiv, you're not allowed to dye something on Shabbos or Yom Tiv, that does not apply to food items. If you're adding color in a food item, that's permitted on Shabbos and Yom Tiv, you're allowed to, therefore, that's how Shulchan Aruch rules, that's how, everyone, that's how all the Paiskim rule for the most part. Um, therefore, if you take, you're allowed to take a bottle of ketchup, pour it onto your macaroni on Shabbos, and mix it around, even though now your macaroni is colored red, it's essentially dying on Shabbos, you're coloring the macaroni on Shabbos, based on Uraim, Uraim wants a reason, he wants to suggest, there's no, no prohibition of, of dying, of adding color to food on Shabbos. And that's how the Shulchan Aruch rules, and that's how we rule practically. Based on that, it says it's the other. The water is essentially a food item. There's further debate if it applies to water. Primarily, we rule that applies to liquids as well. There's a concept that, that there's no prohibition of dying. It applies to liquids as well. So we will primarily follow that opinion. So this is Tiliazer. So water is essentially a food item. Even though I'm adding color to the water, he wants to say there's no prohibition of doing that in Shabbat. It's not a problem of survey of adding, of adding color because it's going to be permitted under the rubric of Ein Eichlin that there's no prohibition of adding color to a Food item on Shabbos. Or the, the other parties can come and, and argue on this sits together. Really, there's a whole question on this uraim. The uraim suggested no prohibition of dyeing, of adding color to a food item. The Gemara says, one of the sources for the concept of Tzavayim, the Gemara, the Gemara says that a person who slaughters an animal on Shabbos, 
walk us through the different possibilities of what you can violate when you do that on Shabbos. One of the possibilities is dyeing, adding color. Where it says, "What do you essentially what when you slaughter all the blood pools by the place of the, the place where you made that um, where, you, where you slaughtered? Essentially, you're dyeing the color of the meat and the color of the animal in that spot red." So Gemara asks, you, you, "You have absolutely no benefit from that. No one, no one thinking of that as dying. Why would a, what, what's the issue? Why would a person even want that? Why that we consider that to be problematic? A problem of dying of adding color on Shabbos?" The Gemara says, "No. The guy who slaughters the animal wants people to see that it was fr- freshly slaughtered." Person sees the fresh red color over there. He knows that it was it was it was slaughtered um, very recently. That will entice him to buy it, and much rather buy a freshly slaughtered animal. Ask all the chaynim. What do you mean? Meat is a food item. If according to the rain, who says that there's no prohibition of adding color to a food item, what's the problem? Why does the gemara say that if you slaughter and you're and you're essentially dying the spot of the slaughter? Um, the place where you make that incision, where you cut over there, you're dying that spot red. Who cares? You're essentially you're essentially adding color to a food item. So the prima godim and other achrayim give this answer as well. They say the whole idea of ain't There's no prohibition of adding of adding color to a food item. That is when I am specifically when I'm coming to enhance the item to be eaten. It's not just broad thing that if the thing is cold, it could be eaten in some form, then it no longer has any prohibition of severe. It's specifically when I'm coming to enhance the food to be eaten, then we say there's no prohibition of, of severe. Therefore, you're allowed to add ketchup to your noodles because I'm enhancing the noodles. It must taste, taste much better like that. When a guy comes and he wants the fresh blood to be on, this, uh, on the animal that he just slaughtered, that's so he can make a better business deal and he can get more money or someone will buy it quicker. Not doesn't enhance the food, doesn't make it taste any better, doesn't add anything to the eating process uh, um, of, of this particular animal. It's just as fresh as it was, whether or not the blood is there. He just wants people to be able to see that. It's essentially, it's not, it's not called, the, the, the leniency over here applies when I'm coming to enhance it for eating, not when I'm coming to enhance it for any other purpose, in the case of the Gemara, would be a business purpose. So, okay, so when you, when you flush this toilet, obviously you're not enhancing it for eating. It just makes a nice look, look nicer over there. No, one's, no, um, no one, of course, is drinking that, uh, that, that water. It does not do anything for, it's not, it's not serving a eating purpose. And therefore, um, the, most of the contemporary bites want to argue and sit together and say that there is no leniency of ain't sviya by your toilet water. Even though it's water, it's not going to be included under that leniency. That's one spot of debate. A second argument one of the great Sephardi Paiskim lived in Yerushalayim. He wants us to say, put together a couple of a couple of ideas together, principles together to create a leniency over here. We have a concept we discussed this a couple of times over here of enomaskavin on Shabbos. When a person, in order for a person to violate a malacha on Shabbos, they have to have an intent to have done that malacha. The classical example of this: a person is dragging a bench because they need the bench in point A instead of point B, as they're dragging the bench, they unintentionally create a hole, they're dragging along the floor, eventually digs a hole, even though digging a hole on Shabbos is prohibited, since they, their intent was to move the bench, their intent was not to dig the hole, therefore, um, therefore the, the halacha is that that would not be a violation of Shabbos. The big caveat to that is if it's a heavy bench, which we know for sure and certain that you will dig a hole when you do it, not just I'm dragging it and whoop, there's a hole there. You know for sure it's going to happen because it's a heavy bench, and for sure, as you're dragging it, will sure and for certain that it will dig a hole. That is called the psikresha. 
under those circumstances, where we know the malacha is 100% going to happen, we do not have any leniency that was not in your intent. The whole concept that we say that if it was not your intent to do the malacha, it's permitted, that is when the malacha is not for sure going to happen. Okay, but when it's for sure going to happen, it's still prohibited, but it's somewhat lesser of a malacha. We'll get to in a minute. Therefore, so a person flushes the toilet on Shabbos. They do not have any intent to flush, to, to create, to, to create this blue water. It's not their intent when they flush the toilet. They're in flush. Their intent when they flush the toilet is to get rid of whatever's in the toilet. They know, and for sure, that they're going to be, they're going to color the water. No one's thinking, well, let me color the water now, so let me flush the toilet. Right? That's not their intent. Their intent is to get rid of what's in the toilet. Incidentally, they're making the water blue. That would essentially be something which is not unintentional, but since it's there, and it's there, and every single time you flush a toilet, it's going to create, make the water blue, essentially it would be something which is for sure going to happen. So it's, huh? You put it there. You put it there. You put it there. I, it's not my intent, though. When I flush a toilet, I'm not thinking, let me call, call it for, let me, let me call the water blue. It may be neatly because of that, but it's not, it's not my intent. My intent is to flush the, to, to flush the toilet. Okay, so now we somehow, somewhat, it's still prohibited. You cannot do something which is, um, something that's unintentional, it's for sure going to happen, but it's somewhat of a, downgraded malacha. He puts together a second concept over here. In order to violate <laughs> for violate a prohibition on Shabbos, has to be something which is done directly by me. If I violate malacha indirectly, that's not prohibited on Shabbos. The classical example is, you know, you're not allowed to put out a fire on Shabbos. Someone puts a barrel of water in front of a fire that is burning, even though when it gets to that spot, it will the fire will burn open the barrel, and then the water will come out and put out the water. That is called an indirect action of mine on Shabbos to put out the water. And again, that would not be prohibited on a derisive level. Zerabonon, they prohibited it except um, in certain extreme cases. So again, you have the pro- there's, one, there's one leniency called psikration of Enemiskavin. I didn't have intent for it, but it's for sure going to happen. That's still prohibited on Shabbos, but again, a downgraded malacha. A second way of downgraded malacha is that it's not something which is not done directly by me. It's done indirectly. Rabbi Zion wants to suggest that when you flush the toilet, we're going to look at that water being colored as an indirect action. He says, I didn't pour dye into the, into the water. I, did, I flushed the toilet, that released the water, that water went into the dye, and now the, 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 now the water got colored. He said, that's not going to be considered a direct action on my behalf. So Rabbi Zion put together, he says, essentially we have something which is A, unintentional, but it's for sure going to happen, B, it is not my direct action, it's indirect action. The concept we find, we put these two ideas together. You have something which is unintentional, for sure going to happen, together with the concept that it's not my direct action, it's only a grammar. Put those together and we can permit that on Shabbos. We found that, we discussed that uh, more at length by fridges. One of the, why, why, why Shom Zaman Norbach said you're allowed to open up a fridge on Shabbos. He also put together those two concepts that you're, that, that it's something unintentional and it is indirect. However, Rav Shlomo Zaman Arbach and other places can come along and argue on Rav Tzion They point out, the Gemara Sanhedrin says that if you have a person who is tied up right outside a dam, and you go and you release the dam, now all the water from the dam comes, top of him, and he's tied up, can't go away, and he drowns. Are you liable as if you killed that person directly? The Gemara said if he's immediately outside the dam, that's called a your direct action. We do not view that as your indirect action. If you be way downstream, maybe that would be a different story. But if you directly outside the dam and you release it and he's stuck there and you cause him to die by drowning, that's not called that you indirectly killed him. It's called you directly killed him. You'll be liable to the death penalty for that.
when you, so what is, what's happening on Shabbos? Shabbos? You're flushing the toilet, you're releasing the water directly onto the disinfectant that is directly coloring the water, the, the water blue. So that's not called an indirect action, that's called a direct action, similar to the exact parallel of the case of someone releasing a dam. So that's exactly what's happening when you flush a toilet, you're essentially releasing a dam. If someone Zaman wants to say, for that reason, that would be considered a direct action, therefore he argues on this second leniency that we pointed out, and he wants to say that no, that is called the direct action that you that you colored the water on Shabbos. Yes, it would be unintentional. Not my intent when I did it. So the fact that it's for sure going to happen um, makes it prohibited on Shabbos. And he says, since it's a direct action, arguing on Rebetzion, he says, therefore, it would be prohibited to, to use one of these on Shabbos. Most Paiskim seem to follow that opinion of Rosham Zalman. There seems to be the widely accepted. Is that the Arab person to argue to the other? Rebetzion, Abishol, some of us, you know, I think Revadio also, I think, um, is lenient, I believe. Um, but most Paiskim, the, the seems to be the accepted sack, um, is not to use it on Shabbos, not because of the problem of creating smell. That we said is not an issue. The main issue is that you are essentially coloring the, um, coloring the water. One place where the Paiskim do give some leniency, they say, is some people, instead of putting these in the um, in, inside the toilet bowl, there's another other one that they sell that you can hang these inside the toilet tank. Essentially, well, every time you flush out that water, that water will already have in it all the disinfectant. When the tank gets filled up again, then the disinfectant will release into the new water in the tank um, all this disinfectant and color again. There the Paiskim want to say, many Paiskim, not everyone, want to say that's actually considered an indirect action. The water that I immediately flushes out, that's your direct action, that's like the dam. The water that eventually fills up um, a minute later, because when the, all the water shoots out, now there's space for the water, new water to come in from, from the pipes, that they want to say perhaps would be considered in indirect action, and there are many, many more Paiskim who are lenient if you put it in the tank, not into the um, actual bowl. Rav Shomazam Arach says, no, even the tank is a problem, he still views that as being your direct action, and that's, that's already, there's much, much more room for leniency. So that, that, I mean, that's the day over here, you discuss, it's not a problem. Okay, exactly the reason why that's not a problem over here. Essentially, it just comes out, the problem of creating a smell, Paiskim would say it's not a problem either because you're just masking the bad smell, you're not enhancing, you're not creating a new smell, you're not just coming to create a, a, a good smell over here, per se, you're, you're masking the bad smell, or Practically, at least on some of these, you're not actually re directly releasing it into the water, you're releasing it into the ear. In terms of the problem of dyeing the water, that is much more problematic. Even though there's a concept of ain't to be able Eichlin, um, presumably that would not apply over here because you're not coming to enhance a, um, this to be eaten. And additionally, it would be considered your direct action, even though it's therefore it's unintentional, and therefore inside the actual toilet bowl, most places most would say these should not be used. If you come to some, somewhere and they already have one hanging, that's already a big discussion. What should you do then? Some places will say rely upon leaning opinions. Other places will say try to remove it. question is how do you remove it? It might be muksa if you can't use it. It's now, now it's Muksa on Shabbos, exactly what the best way to remove that would be. Again, a, a, big, dis, a big discussion, Paiskim, it's a whole other can of words, I'm not going to get into that today. But primarily to put one inside your house, the Paiskim say you should not do on Shabbos.